0: there Welcome to Firsty Thursday. My name's Bean. I'm Renda. I'm Robert Temple. Robert bloody Temple. First off, thank you so much for coming on. I've, I think the past sort of 40 hours is the most I've ever said thank you, <laughs> uh, to be quite honest. Um, all came from, we had Jack on he went on his podcast, great yeah. podcast as well. Um, sent you a little cheeky message about what it take for us to hypnotize you and coming on the podcast, yeah. which we'll explain in a second. Um, and yeah, you're an absolute gent for coming on, coming down um you had a show in Fetford last night yeah so you kindly invited us down so if anyone doesn't know first off you're probably best to explain who you are before it becomes strange
1: yeah so as I said my name is Robert Temple I'm a hypnotist Mm. um for the past 20 years this uh, August it'll be Mm. Um, I've been traveling all over the world, pretty much uh, performing a stage hypnosis show. So not like clinical hypnotherapy stuff mm-hmm. where people can quit smoking or lose weight, uh, but like the funny stuff where people do crazy things and act out their imagination live yeah. on stage. So that's where that came from. And they bloody do, yeah. and
0: it's it's nice to be, here because I live in the northeast, so it's yeah. nice to be anywhere, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a really good show. So yeah, to give context, you invited us down to your show last night in Fetford, so like forty five minute drive or so away from where we are. T- Today in Norwich and um, brought uh, just under a dozen of us and we all had a really good time. It was really fun. Good. Uh, I've never ever just seen a hypnotist. I've no. never known either. Unfortunately, Renda still c- haven't. Renda <laughs> <could've> <laughs> been, <but> yeah, <laughs> Renda couldn't make it. Um, so you've almost got two perspectives today, which is quite quite good. Yeah. yeah. Um, we might as well talk about the show actually briefly. So we um, we came with our mate Owen um, and he uh he's been on the podcast a few times good childhood friend and uh he happened to uh nominate himself to come on stage when he went through that that stage and uh yeah I was so wary honestly when he went on stage I didn't know what to think but before we arrived I did I did say one of us needs to go on right and when you know that awkward moment when no one's coming up at the first because everyone's sort of you know nervous, well, nervous yeah. whether they should or not I was thinking oh, I should just go on. But I was like, because we've got the podcast today, I need a bit of research almost. Yeah. A bit of background. So I didn't want to do it. Um, But yeah, luckily Owen went up and wow, what an experience. Um, And his perspective. I wish he was here today. He's busy. He's got a... um, Christening. Christening, yeah. But um, I wanted him to come sit next to you today so he can give his perspective. But I'll try and sort of speak a little bit on his behalf. But um, yeah, he sort of... His perspective on it was that like he he knew what he was doing almost yeah but he just had no control like he was kind of conscious but he he almost couldn't explain it and I think from my perspective from watching it I was a bit speechless I think when we met you after I didn't really know what to say to you I think I was still digesting it all (laughs) (laughs) um but but no it was really good um Yeah. So I think after seeing that, I'd love to go to more shows. Absolutely. How was, how was the tour been? So yeah, really good. Was it? No.
1: So this is the last date of this little, this little sprint of them. I tend to batch them together as much as possible. Mm -hmm. It sort of um, evens out the travel and stuff generally. So these are a bunch of rescheduled gigs that either happened during the pandemic or the one that was last night was originally on the weekend of the Queen's funeral. Mm -hmm. And so everything got rearranged then. And so, yeah, so this is the last one of this little sprint of gigs, Mm -hmm. but it should have happened last year. Yeah, or earlier in the year, whenever the Queen died, it should have happened then.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Well, um, we've uh, we've got sort of a list of questions we're going to go through. Um, we've also got a, our classic Firstly Thursday segment, which because you haven't watched the podcast before, um, you you won't know about it, but we'll explain it to you later. But do you, do you want to ask the first question we've got? Yeah, um,
2: how I think it's quite an interesting question, probably. How did you get into hypnosis? Like, what made you? think this is what I want to do. So when I was a kid, I was born in
1: London, but moved to the Northeast when I was four or five. And as a kid, I was like this really shy, terrified, weird kid who didn't quite fit in. Never been into sports. I'm terrible at anything sports related. Uh, didn't make friends all that easily. Didn't get bullied or picked on. I've got no sob story to share. Like <laughs> I had a perfectly happy childhood, but I just didn't I didn't quite fit in. I had a very small group of friends. And when I was very young, sort of three or four, I went to a, like a nursery play group thing. And they had a magician on uh, called Smarty Artie, this children's entertainer who would Mm. come in brightly dressed and do amazing magic tricks and make a rabbit appear and all that stuff that kids love. And then for some reason, all the other kids like love it and clap as you probably did if you saw a magician when you were four. But then I was like, I want to learn to do that. I don't know why, it just grabbed hold of me in a different way. So I started learning magic tricks. My parents got me like a Paul Daniels magic set and I would like faff about with that. And before long, anyone who came anywhere near me was like going to be seeing a magic trick. But I was really shy and nervous and not not a performer at all and I think magic was a sort of crutch lots of performers will tell you the same thing that that it's a, they're like that they're, they're not the outcast that's the wrong word but like they they're the ones who don't quite fit in yeah, and yeah. the the thing they do is a prop for that Co- comedy is the same for a lot of yeah. comedians I know Anyway, so I started pursuing it, and that was the thing I was going to do. As a kid, you've got no philosophy. You know, if you ask a kid what do you want to do for a living, they're going to say, I'm going to be a pilot, or I'm going to... You know, they, they give you the cool, exciting yeah, jobs. Yeah. Nobody says, I'm going to be a research clerk, do they? Like, I'm going to be Something extravagant.
2: I to be a receptionist at the N&M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So for me, I was like, well, I'll be a magician, because some people are magicians. The fella I saw at the party, he was a magician. Yeah. Anyway, so I took it quite seriously as a four-year-old, and five-year-old, and six-year-old, and growing up. And then... um I started doing like competitions for magicians and doing quite well out of them as a kid. And then when I was 14, I saw a hypnotist and uh, that had the same thing for me that magic did yeah, like 10 years earlier. And it was like this whole different thing. And lots of magicians will start out doing magic as a kid and then they'll veer off in different directions. So they like, might learn to juggle or ventriloquism or impressions or something else. And for me, I saw this hypnosis thing as like a sort of parallel art form. So I started learning it over a couple of years. Um, My dad was quite keen for me to just do anything I could in the entertainment world. Mm -hmm. So he ended up paying the hypnotist to teach me how to do it. So I studied it for a couple of years. And then when I was 16, I thought, "Right, I'll have a go at this now. Started doing shows alongside magic. So I might be doing like close-up magic for a wedding on one night. And then the next night being a pub doing my show. And uh, after a couple of years of doing that, I did my A-levels and then did that alongside it. And I was like, right, that's it now. I'm going to drop magic as a living. I still like it. I still got magic conventions. I've got loads of magician friends. I just don't want to do it for a living. Don't want to do gigs for it. Mm. And uh, I just love doing a hypnosis show where you don't know quite what you're going to get every night. It's all in the hands of the audience, largely.
2: Do you think as well you can integrate comedy into that a bit more than magic as well yeah and it's an interesting
1: thing because years ago i said to my dad i'm gonna do this comedy hypnosis thing and my dad said he denies this now but my dad said oh but you're not funny (laughs) and i was like and i wasn't like the funny one at school either so like i was that definitely wasn't a thing the fact i work in comedy clubs and stuff now is is a bit alien to me i did a post on instagram about it the other day um and so but one of the the benefits of doing a comedy hypnosis show is uh i don't actually have to be funny because it's the all you have to do is tell people to do funny things. Yeah. They do those things. That is funny. Yeah. And so I, I started to do it and I've always loved the comedy industry. And so that was like a, a leg up into being able to do it. And then over time, I've just learned comedy and it's become a skill that you just hone and perfect until eventually you become
2: a funny person. Yeah. I was going to um, say, because of what I've seen of your show, a lot of, I'd say, well, probably 50% of the comedy that comes is from the smart, witty comments. I know you've got a lot of setup for what people do, but you've got your smart, witty comments in between what people do. Yeah. So I think that's comedy itself. Yeah, I did. I did stand up for a short period of time for
1: about a year just to like try and find that craft. And the thing I enjoyed most was hosting events where I I didn't have any material particularly. It was just taking the piss out of the audience, just like Mm -hmm. faffing about. Um, and making stuff up as I went. And that, I found yeah. that funniest. And then th- th- the show is a really good place to do that because you have people who'll react differently every night uh, to the same suggestion. Yeah. And that gives me something new and fresh to bounce yeah. off that yeah. will never happen again. It just happened that night and it'll never happen ever again yeah. by for anyone else.
2: It's raw comedy,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: the, it's the best type as well, isn't it? Because you, you can tell when it's supernatural. I, I think, I haven't seen many comedians, but I've seen many shows that have sort of a almost a comedy twist to it and i am that type of person that sometimes when it's so scripted i can kind of notice it a little bit and it does bother me almost yeah it shouldn't i should just relax and let it you know play out but sometimes i think oh i can tell they know how scripted it was do you know what i mean like whilst they're doing it but stuff like that like you said you know you get different reactions to the same suggestion that's what makes it so funny every time yeah um do you think there's ever been a time on stage where you've struggled to keep your cool like because oh, it's been so funny? Do you have any examples of when this
1: happened? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of specific examples. It happens more than you would think. There's moments yeah. where I just corpse on stage and it's not it's not put on or anything. Yeah. It's just some somebody has said something so genuinely funny. My favorite moment, I think, is sometimes you'll get to a point where um, you'll end up with people who will end, the people on stage will end up interacting with each other, nothing to do with me, yeah. but just one suggestion sort of bounced off another. Yeah. So I was doing a thing where, um, a show a while ago where in, I had an interval and in the interval people are going around the audience doing funny things and then they come back up to the stage and I had a suggestion where somebody's uh, got a roll of toilet roll. And their job is to go and stand outside of a toilet and mm. sell squares of toilet roll to people on their way into the toilet <laughs> for 20 pence each. So you've got this woman stood outside this toilet and you've got people going in and she's selling these squares of toilet roll. And then in the second half, they come back on stage. And in the first bit, we talk about what they were doing during the interval and, and that's that. Mm. Anyway, so I, um, I moved on to the next part of the show. And the next part of the show is this routine, which I did last night, where it's, uh, it's all about farting basically. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never thought about this before. Normally I take the toilet roll off the woman as she comes back on stage and then get rid of it. But I just left it with her by accident, carried on with the show, and I was doing a thing where she thinks somebody else on stage has farted. And before very long, she reached under her seat, picked up the toilet roll, and went to hand it to the person too along who she thought was (laughs) farting. So I just creased when that happened. It sort of worked
0: out perfectly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, um, so when we spoke last night, I think it was last night, you mentioned that the show was two hours, with some intervals in between. Yeah. Um, I think last night I do not know if it's because it started slightly late, but there wasn't an interval was there it was just no, straight, we were running
1: over so we just sort of plowed yeah, straight yeah. through and the venue were happy with that so
0: see the question I was I was asking myself when the show ended was and I guess you answered it a little bit there, but what would usually happen in the interval so yeah. you've obviously I assume you don't send everyone off and then start another 12 or 10 no. people. You keep the same people hypnotized? What?
1: Yeah, So, and it's a really interesting moment in the show where people don't know what to expect. But basically, I say that we're going to have an interval now so you can go top up your drinks and go to the toilet, yeah. that kind of thing. So um, these people on stage need to do something. So I give them all a suggestion and send them back out into the audience and let them go and do it in the audience, wow. in the bar, in the foyer, you know, wherever they can, outside the toilet. See, that <laughs> feels like
0: completely crazy to me because they've gone from... I don't know if this is a really naive perspective, but they've gone from like sitting down, asleep, or doing things. I know they get up on stage as well, but to actually come off, because sometimes I don't know the science behind it all, but sometimes I think maybe the lights help as well against them. So when they're on the stage off the lights, I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of snap out of it. Have you ever had that where... um, they're not like suggestible or however you put it anymore when they've come off. You stage, sometimes yeah. have a
1: handful of people that you lose during the interval. Yeah. Um, I would say most nights you don't lose anybody, maybe, maybe 20% of the yeah. time you might lose one or two people. Yeah. And it's usually because they've seen something, sent something. They're usually the people who were most likely hypnotized in the first place and yeah. they weren't as involved as everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then once you've, once you've got them out there doing those things, um, but I mean t- to send it to its craziest extent, I used to do, a, um, a routine in the interval where somebody, um, a, 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 a female volunteer I would tell her that she's lost her pet rabbit and her pet rabbit's name is Fanny and so she would be wandering around the audience saying, excuse me have you seen my Fanny it's very high <laughs> uh, have you seen my Fanny I can't find my Fanny anywhere yeah. anyway so I was doing the routine and I used to do a ton of university shows back in the day when I was first like finding my feet I wanted venues that had like good budgets and stuff and, and could host my show and would have bigger crowds of more excitable people than the local pub mm. and so I really like crafted my little niche in university freshers weeks and stuff so I was doing a gig for freshers and I didn't know about this till after the show, but the show went ahead and this girl's doing this thing and she's going around the audience. There's probably five, 600 students there. She's going around the audience. Have you seen my fanny? Have you seen my fanny? What I didn't know was at some point she'd gone outside and called our mum to say, mum, I can't find my fanny anywhere. Oh, I can't oh my find my fanny. Mum has no idea she's been hypnotized. I only found out about this after the show. Fortunately, <laughs> our friends found her and they explained, don't worry, Barbara. She's, <laughs> she's being
0: hypnotized. That is incredible. That's class. Wow, poor girl. <laughs> yeah. So part of your your sort of part of your show, um, and it happens throughout, really. And I found it really interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to get your perspective on it and what makes you make those decisions. But as you go through the crowd and you sort of warm them up, getting them in the sort of state they need to be in, you sort of knock a couple people off. Yeah. So when I watched the show last night, there was a couple people who even from where I was watching, I thought, oh, they look like they're out. Yeah. You remember that guy, he was sort of, he had his arms around them. I couldn't tell if he was still in the state or close to it. I think he'd had a couple of beers before the show. Yeah. And he was sort of just like, dazed and enjoying (laughs) himself. Um, But how, how do you sort of, I don't say knock them down, but you know what I mean? Like, how do you sort of round down the people to the, and identify the most suggestible ones.
1: Yeah, so there's a thing that I do in the show, which you'll have seen last night, called a suggestibility test. The idea Mm. of it is that it's an experiment that anyone can do at any time. There's no hypnosis involved at all, but it's just designed to show you how your imagination works. Yeah. Uh, So the one that I do, it's an ancient thing, but I've just been using it for a long time, is this idea of if you have people with their hands out like this, and you tell them there's something very heavy on this hand and very light on this hand, I've put a video of me doing it on my Instagram, uh, if you wanna go and try it. so the books get very heavy and the balloons become very light and mm. their hands start to float. And the first thing I'm looking for is whose hands are moving the most Yeah, because Quite literally, and it has absolutely, despite the, what the sceptics would say, it has absolutely nothing to do with physiology of your arm getting tired because that doesn't explain why this one goes yeah, up. Yeah. We aren't made mechanically so that when one arm goes down, mm. the other one goes up or anything like that. But what I'm looking for is uh, whose arms end up in the in the widest position. Yeah. Those people are typically the people who are going to go the best. I think yeah. last night that was probably a perfect example of that being true. Sometimes you get a handful of people whose hands barely move, but then they're great. Yeah. You rarely get the other way around. You rarely get anyone whose hands are like this, and then yeah. then they're, they're not phenomenal. Um, so that's one of the things.
0: One of the guys I brought with me, he was sat next to me. You probably saw him. He was, I saw him at, at the back. back. He I had like his that. arm really high, yeah. and he was, like, gone for a second. He was really, like, you know, he must be... If have he'd have been there for any longer,
1: yeah. I have a, a strategy to deal with that. If he'd been in that position any longer, I, I clocked him and thought, I'll come back to that in a second. Yeah. Um, and then once I'm finished with everyone on stage, if he'd still been like that, um, then I would have basically said, if you're sat in the audience right now and the balloons are pulling your arm into the air, which means his brain will latch onto that and identify as him. Yeah. And there's sometimes two or three people doing it. Um, and you would like to take part in the show tonight. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three. And I, when I do, I'm going to cut the string on the balloons. They'll fly off into the air and your arm will drop down into your lap. And when your arm drops down into your lap, you'll just go into hypnosis there. And so what happens is if, if he'd still been like that when yeah. I got that far, Uh, I would have done that. And then his brain has the choice to decide whether he would like to participate in the show or not. If he decides no, then nothing will happen uh, and he'll be fine. If he decides yes, then when I say three, in his brain, the string on these balloons will snap, the balloons will float off into the air, his hand will drop down and he'll just go into it in the audience. And when that happens, it looks so incredibly set up.
3: That's (laughs) crazy. If you're not a complete believer. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, But it's one of the most interesting moments in the show when it happens. It probably happens 30 or 40% of the time.
0: So you're I guess a good probably segue to explain your perspective. So obviously you didn't go to the show last night. Um would you say you're sceptical? What what would you how would you explain? I your think I don't know how I feel about yeah. it. I'd be a little scared as well. Yeah. yeah, that's the, normal. Do
2: you know what the thing is is I it's not that I don't believe, I think I do believe more than I think. Right. And I'm scared that if I got hypnotized, I'd turn mm. in some under demon. And like, <laughs> he you hate re- horrors you, as well. Like, you don't, you, you don't would like release some demon inside yeah. of me. I'd never come <laughs> back from it. I think that's my fear of being hypnotized. Like I'd be yeah. like, and, you possessed know, inf- infinitely. The issue is we're
1: battling this huge misconception about what hypnosis is. Yeah. right? So I think if you think about it, lo- loads and loads and loads of people, especially of like under 40, have never seen a hypnosis show yeah. before. There's a few more people between like 40 and 60 have seen one. And a lot of people 60 plus have seen them on holiday or whatever. And that's because there's only a handful of stage hypnotists left in this country. Um, I'm the only one touring theatres. So like there's not much opportunity to see it. Um, The ones who are doing it are usually doing it alongside something else. So they'll probably do magic or DJ, DJ, you know, discos or whatever for parties. And then they'll go and do a hypnosis show in a pub somewhere. Um, So there isn't a great opportunity to see it. That's one thing. And then I think if you, if you like Google hypnotist and then look on Google images and you look past publicity shots of people like me, mm. what you'll get is really naff cartoons of some sort of vaudevillian chat with a goatee beard, in a yeah. pocket watch <laughs> and a pretty girl like collapsing into his arm, <laughs> yeah. drawn as a stick. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're yeah. battling against, right? Which is, yeah. couldn't be further from what mm. hypnosis is. It's a very cooperative thing. Yeah. Uh, which is why when you get people who come out on stage going, you can't hypnotize me, that's not going to work because yeah. it's not my ability to hypnotize them. It's their ability to get into that mm. state following a process that I give them. Yeah. Um. And I think for a long time, hypnotists have leveraged the sort of scary power play thing in order to stack up some of the psychological benefit towards hypnotizing people. Mm. But actually, we live in 2023 now where the world is a very different place yeah. and people are probably frightened of losing control, yeah. in quotes. Yeah. Um, and actually if you can just, I mean, um, I can be a bit mean on stage in terms of like, I'll take the piss and that's my sense of humor
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and will sort of heckle people in the audience and whatnot. And people who come up on stage, that's fine. That's just building a bit of a laugh. As long as they get that's my sense of humor, that's okay. Yeah. But other than that, I want them to come up on stage having had a great time mm-hmm. and I want them to leave having had a great time yeah. and go, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think my problem is is I don't I don't like not being in control. I think that's so. That's an interesting thing. Is that again? That's a misconception. Is that hypnosis is about losing control, about giving me control. And there's some words in the scripting that probably don't help um, don't help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, you remain fully in control at all times while hypnotized. Yeah. And actually, at any point, if you decided that you wanted to stop, you could actually do it. Mm-hmm. If you truly decided at this moment, I want to stop. Um, you, you actually have the full power to do it. Yeah. But for the most part, whilst people are in that state, it's also enjoyable and relaxing and, and chill. That actually, it just makes
2: sense to keep going. Well, I think that's the thing. I think once I'd be under, I'd be f- completely fired of it because it sounds great. But I just, it's that losing control of myself that I'm a bit wary yeah. of. But I love it. I loved I loved all the clips I saw, especially of Owen last yeah, night. Yeah, I it's sent sp- them all over
0: to <laughs> uh,
3: Speaking like an alien on one stage, really, really yeah. got me this morning.
2: Yeah. yeah, really got me. It was the it was the way he came out with the word so uh, of oh, people who don't, as well, isn't he? Very for Norfolk. people who don't know, you hypnotize him into speaking alien and then he translated what they got to say. Yeah. And he said basically the same thing, like beep, boop, beep, but it was the his reaction when translating goes two days or like two yeah. weeks? a day. Yeah. Yeah. or two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that for me. It's people yeah. you're you're kind of setting these people up, and then the comedy just sort of comes from there really. It, it made it made me laugh so much. I wish I was there.
4: Every single one of you here tonight and then wake you up in two hours time and tell you what a oh fucking brilliant no. show you just. Oh no. <laughs> looking around, we're not gonna get away with that. We're gonna have to do it the old fashioned way. Now it looks like there are three <laughs> chairs remaining. There are there is one chair remaining <laughs> by the hand, look at me. and take like, a nice deep breath in and sound, sleep drifting off from my voice in the centre. That's good, rub it all over your body, that's wonderful. Sir, your bollocks are burning. rub it into your bollocks, because you don't want your bollocks to burn. Get it into your bollocks Now you don't want your bollocks to burn! Nobody wants some burnt bollocks, so get it all over your body, that's good. Lovely. lie back and enjoy that sunshine. But everyone, as you lie there now, there's nothing like more than a nice cool, refreshing, juicy ice cream or ice lolly in your favorite flavor. So this time on the count of three, when the drinks waiter comes around, stick your hand out again. He'll give you will give your a free imaginary ice cream or ice lolly in your favorite flavor. We even have their vegan and dairy free, it is 2023. Here it he comes, one, two, and three. Put your hand out in front of you. There's a free imaginary ice cream or ice lolly for you. And there's one for you, it's your favorite flavor. There's one for you there, and there's one for you. There's one for you, and one for you. Start to suck in the gown and your favorite flavor of ice cream It tastes <laughs> so sometimes- nice so good as it hits your tongue and rolls down your throat. It... Impressive. That's impressive, isn't it? Watch Nick for me, Owen, watch Nick for me. Here we go. Just sleep, relaxing all the way down. Sound, asleep. sleep. Just sleep, relaxing down deeper. Sleep, relaxing down deeper. Just sleep, relax. Just sleep, relax. Sleep, relaxing down deeper. And sleep all the way down. <laughs> sleep, Oh, Owen, what do you think of that? That's mad, isn't it? That wouldn't happen to you, it? No, because it would... Just sleep relaxing all the way. The moment you wake up and hear that piece of music just the first man touching on the shoulder now, you will believe that you are none other than the king of pop himself, Mr. Michael Jackson. Live in front of thousands of cheering and adoring fans here at Wembley Stadium. You are back from the dead, obviously, otherwise this is gonna be a shitty concert. You will take to the center of the stage where you will dance and perform as Michael Jackson only wishes he could Michael Jackson. You can do the leg thing, you can do whatever you want. But the moment that music stops, you will wonder what the hell you have just been doing. Ladies and gentlemen, he is here for you tonight for one night only. Please put your hands together and go wild. Welcome the one, the only, the king, of popped himself. Go wild and welcome, Mr. Michael Jackson. Yeah. That's us hear it for The more noise you make, the more outrageous he becomes. The second that music stops, you wonder what the hell you've just been doing. The second that music stops, you wonder what the hell you've just
0: been doing. You right there, fella? I, I can understand why people are sometimes sceptical because it almost it's like too perfect. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like the way he, I think you know, going on to what you said there, I think one of the people who was speaking, Martian and said he'd only been there a day. Um, then you asked him about how does he feel about the woman or yeah. the men there and he was like oh he doesn't know he's only been there a day <laughs> yeah you know? and that just like was so perfect it was like almost scripted i know it wasn't scripted i brought over there and he's been out you know what i mean it's impossible for it to be scripted um but it was almost just so perfect so i completely respect why you know people would be skeptical about it but no it was and the, the what happens is in everyday life our
1: natural creativity and wit and yeah. Um, intellect and everything is some pi- sometimes hampered by social pressure, anxiety yeah. and everything like that. That means that maybe you're in conversation with somebody, unless you're like uber confident, sometimes yeah. you can be in conversation with somebody and then you leave that interaction. You go, why did I say that? Yeah. Why didn't I say like, you just realized I didn't make the best impression of that. I didn't make the best, uh, res- I'm doing it now. I didn't get the best result out of that conversation. Yeah. When you're under hypnosis, all of that inhibition has gone, mm. which means that your brain is just, uh, it's more clear to think and just make those sort of snap decisions yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So it's things like I did the thing in the show where somebody forgets the number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, and somebody said to me, I was chatting to a friend of mine after the show and he said, it's amazing that when you ask them to count to 10 and the number seven doesn't exist, they don't stutter, they just go five, six, eight, nine, ten 10 without thinking about it. Yeah. And I said, there's two reasons why that happened. Part of it is it's stacked up in the way I give the suggestion. But apart from that, their brain is so fast at working under hypnosis. It's so amped up that actually, and, and also typically speaking, um, a little insider's trick for you here. What I'm actually doing is I'm, I'm creating quite a lot of time delay between some, uh, usually between giving somebody the suggestion and then them having to react to it. It's, it's slightly longer yeah. than you would think. Yeah. And what happens is the minute that suggestions in play, their brain goes into overdrive, figuring out without them knowing about it, their subconscious mind goes into overdrive to figure out what they're going to have to be able to do in order to make this work. Mm. Um, so the woman last night, who, was a, who seemed like a very shy, quiet lady, who when I said about twerking, mm. she said, uh, I said, why do you think you're going to win this twerking competition? She went, oh, because I'm a tiger. And she didn't look like the sort <laughs> of person who would say that at all. No. Especially from some of the reactions earlier in the show, as you'll have seen. Yeah. And so again, her brain has like gone into overdrive whilst I'm talking to somebody else, knowing she's got to have an answer for that. Yeah. And from her subconscious, she's plucked, I'm a tiger.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll throw the clip up of that. I think I've got it as well. And... um, so when she started twerking on stage or dancing on stage, she was doing that. Do you remember? Yeah, this, yeah, the time. Then when thing. she I think you snapped her out of it at one point and she was like you asked her how how is she? And she was like, Oh, my hands are tingling. And yeah. I reckon it's because she's tensed them for so yeah, long. Yeah, totally. It's Trying just, to decide. It's just so <laughs> it was yeah, I can't I can't explain it. Being the first experience I've ever watched it, it was it was so weird, but so entertaining, so great. Um Yeah.
2: Have, have you ever done any hypnosis for a practical reason at all like- so
1: therapy and stuff yeah I did it when I first started out there's a lot of stage hypnotists learn it and then they they do that as like a sideline so like it's extra cash in it yeah. uh, and so I did learn it when I was sort of 16-ish um and there's a woman that my stepmom knew who had like a like a beauty salon like a like a sort of skincare clinic. Yeah. And she had different sort of therapy rooms where people are going to have different types of treatments done. She had a spare one and um she said, if you want to, you can you can rent that room when you've got a hypnotherapy client and do hypnotherapy sessions in there and then just pay me for when you've got somebody and that's it. So it's all very low maintenance. And I thought, Oh, that sounds cool. And I did it for about maybe two or three weeks. And at the end of it I thought, I didn't get into this to do this. I got into this to to do my stage show and be an entertainer. I wanted to, I'm addicted to people clapping and laughing at me, on yeah, stage, yeah. so I just needed that. So I just dropped do, stopped doing it in the end. And now I'm so busy. A hundred percent of my shows, somebody comes up to me and says, can you hypnotize me to lose weight or stop smoking or whatever? Yeah. And the answer is, I mean, theoretically, yes. I don't do it. I'm not like, um, yeah. it's not, I don't do it anymore. I had an app made recently, which has some hypnosis uh, audios in it for those purposes. Um, just because people keep asking the questions, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I can't treat you one on one," and that is not a, a perfect replacement for seeing a hypnotherapist. Mm. But as a thing that you can just have on your phone all the time and listen to whenever you want, and the sort of cumulative benefit of doing it three times a week for the next couple of months yeah. stacks up above going to see a hypnotherapist in real life. Yeah. So the closest I have to it is being able to hypnotize people through their smartphone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had like a personal miracle that you've used on a family member or? A f- or a friend or whatever for any reason?
1: No, I think I'm very boring. Gary, my tour manager, he was frightened of flying and he had to go to America and I hypnotised him to help him with his uh, fear of flying a bit and it, it definitely helped because uh, he got on the plane and he went, yeah. which he was uh, previously wouldn't have done. Um, but no, other than
2: that, yeah. I've been dealing with comedy stuff. Yeah, Probably a bit more entertaining for you than yeah. helping someone quit smoking or losing weight. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to listen to somebody's problems, really. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, during the show last night um i, I don't want to sort of ruin any parts or talk about all the parts obviously keep some of it surprised for if they go see a show but yeah. there was uh basically long story short was a lady on uh who kept putting on masks yeah face masks it was hilarious by the way i loved it um at one point she was quite i don't want to say whiny but she was quite troubled wasn't she Upsurt. because that was yeah. part of the you know the yeah. suggestion as well but um and you mentioned there that, was it one in five? There was a stat you said, one in something. Oh yeah, have a, <laughs> just a joke. Yeah. Oh, was it just a joke? <laughs> to oh, okay, say. She sounded like she was having a nervous That's breakdown. That's what I thought. So I was I
1: went, worried One in five first. people get yeah. to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Um, but then immediately afterwards, you get this tiger. Come yeah, it, she was fine. Was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was quite pleased with that routine when I came up with it. We've obviously, we came out of the pandemic as I was putting this show together um, because what happened was the pandemic had, I had this this tour scheduled through the pandemic. Pandemic happened, everything got pulled. And basically I just put it all back on a shelf. Once we realized the pandemic was gonna be around for more than a couple of months, I just put everything back on the shelf. I went, right, that's it, there's no performing now. Yeah, So I just plowed on. And um, when the pandemic started to lift and I thought, oh, we're gonna, it looks like we're slowly going back to normal. Um, gigs will be back soon. I sort of pull everything off the shelf and I thought, right, let's put all the bits out and look at it again with fresh eyes and figure out, right, is there anything we can do that's more interesting or topical? Mm-hmm. So This masks thing I think is funny. The idea of anyone ending up with lots of stuff on them. I've got an idea for my next show, which will be a replacement for that. Just the sort of the premise a bit mm-hmm. like jokes all have, there's, there's only a handful of structures that comedians can use for jokes and then all jokes more or less fit within those structures um the same thing really happens with hypnosis routines my starting point is to go look let's look at everything i've ever done and go how do i how do i take that and make that more interesting or more topical mm. or different and so that was just a, that was a way of doing that thing this idea of somebody stacking you know i've done it before with somebody end up with loads of hats mm. on because the casket <laughs> can I have another hat please and mm. put another hat on top uh, and so this masks thing was a sort of topical thing of that and i'm hoping i'm touring this show till 2020 end of 2024 so hopefully it'll be um it'll still be topical then, but I think yeah. it'll be all right. You yeah.
2: you said you kind of put everything on the shelf during the pandemic. What did you do with yourself during the pandemic? Because I, I take it this is the main source of income for you. So that was very hard not to be touring during that time, especially with on... Sort of not about for six to 12 months.
1: Yeah. So I'm in a weird position. I um, I, I do this and I also own another business. I own a marketing <laughs> agency, totally different thing. Don't need to talk about it. But uh, So that was that was good. I, I'm not really involved in the day-to-day of it, Yeah. Um, which is useful. So I was uh, in a very fortunate position that that business continued on, was, was plowing through and not really a big issue. But I know tons of entertainers, magicians, comedians, who uh, went and got a job in Tesco or driving delivery trucks or whatever. Just and um, just just to get by, and some of those people have never come back to entertainment. The pandemic has completely completely just flipped their lives, and they've gone right. Yeah. This is this is my life now. Maybe I'll do a bit on the side. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really weird, very strange world for the entertainment industry. But I couldn't pretend that uh, I was sat at home crying or anything. I was it was fine, but I desperately wanted to get back on but stage. Yeah, I, I suppose,
2: especially being an entertainer going on stage, that can break a lot of people's confidence. Yeah, especially if you've been doing it for a while, or if you're new to it, you're going up stage again after not being there for a year 18 months it could be very tough
1: and what was really odd about it was um when i came back out to do a show what was the first show back i think i think the first show i did back was at the, oh, i'll tell you what it was so in 2020 every year i go up to edinburgh for the whole of august to do the edinburgh fringe festival so, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the largest arts festival in the world. There's four or five million people land in Edinburgh over the course of the month. There's thousands of shows on, and um, most of them are there for like a week, two weeks, or a full month. So I go and do the full month. So it's every day for twenty. In my case, twenty four, twenty three days. And so I was doing the show, and uh, that was that was we weren't expecting there to be a to be a fringe that year because the pandemic was still around. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they said, we think we can get away with it. Lockdown's been lifted. We think we can do one, but it's going to be cut down because loads of shows won't take the risk or whatever, especially big productions. They can't risk that. Yeah. So I was like, well, I can. So I was like, fine. So I booked some accommodation. I did my usual venue I do every year. I went up there. I said, I'll do the full month. Just see what happens. There's, no, there's no, not really a huge risk. I'll just do it. So anyway, i have not performed for however long the pandemic had been. So it really hit us in about March, didn't it? So yeah. Yeah. from March until the following August, I hadn't done a gig. Yeah. And then I went out and did that in 20, uh, August, 2021. And um, funnily enough, I did nothing to like try and get back into the swing of it other than walk on stage. Wow. And um, the first show I did, and this is going to sound really arrogant for a second, but I'll put it down in a minute. <laughs> the first show I did was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I haven't said those words. I haven't done those things. I haven't done any of that for a year and a half. And the first show was perfect. The second show was a car crash. But there's something about, uh, no, it wasn't bad. But I, the second show was was tough. Yeah. That was what was weird about it. So there was something about it, the first one out, and maybe this just says something about the mind, where I just thought, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't even yeah. know the script anymore. Somehow, I just went on stage, went into autopilot and did a really solid yeah. show. The second and third one, I found a bit more difficult and I was slowly building up to it as as I expected to be from day one. Mm. There's something about, about, I don't know, the excitement of it. I don't know,
2: something. Probably no, probably no pressure. It. And then because yeah. it's gone so well, the second one you thought, oh, I've, got, I've really got to step <laughs> up it.
0: And you know how much they want it because everyone's been waiting for something to laugh about and or yeah. whatever. So that probably worked in your favor a little bit. Um, sort of going back to the question I asked earlier about um, the, the uh, psychological crash, like the lady that was whining, uh, or I thought you were being serious about the uh, nervous breakdown. Um, have you ever, obviously, just to reiterate, your shows are absolutely safe, I yeah. can guarantee that. Uh, but have you had any, um, not necessarily so bad experiences, but any unexpected ones other than like the the, the rabbit one you were talking about? Uh, but anything that sort of really didn't go as expected. How- there was
1: a there was a gig in um, Blackburn mm. in the northwest years ago when I was doing pubs. That I don't do them anymore, but that was like my big like bread and butter for a long time yeah, when I was yeah. starting out. So I was doing this gig at this pub in. Um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll bleep out where I've said the city name, the yeah, town yeah. name. So yeah, it was in, it was in the place I've just named, but you won't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I did a, a pub there and I did, I done it two or three times and it was always quite good. They had a good crowd in, they don't sell tickets or anything like most pub shows don't. They're just like they have a band or something. It's just on and they'll try and make a profit on the beers and whatever and use it as like a good community thing. Yeah. So I've done it two or three times and I went along to do it again, always looked forward to it. Some of the regulars were in who I've now come to like, know just through doing the, the, the yeah. gig a few times. And, um, I was halfway through the show and a woman basically blacked out on stage. And I know that's nothing to do with hypnosis. Hypnosis can't do that. But the problem again with misconceptions and worries and all the rest of it is, is the audience have no idea what's going on. Mm. Um, and then she not exactly had a fit, but like sort of, um, uh, like convulsed a little bit, if that's the word and then stopped. And then, uh, they, we sort of paused the show and they called an ambulance and the boyfriend, who was very drunk, came over and was, like, threatening me. Oh, and I was like, it's nothing oh, no. to do with me. Uh, anyway, so the paramedics came in. It turned out she was off our face. I was going to say, she must have been drunk imaginable. if he was as well, yeah. Um, yeah, she was, she was high on lots yeah. of stuff. Uh, yeah. And so that's not, yeah. a, not a good thing. But yeah. So sometimes you get stuff where you go, God, that's nothing to do with me. Now, fortunately, yeah. I work in really nice places now, so that doesn't happen. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you had any,
0: like, celebra- uh, celebrities reach out or anything, like, ask them for any, like, hypnosis or help or private shows or any, any weird celebrity interactions or if, if it's, it's outside. outside of your work,
1: there's a th- there's a couple of times where we've had, um, you have very wealthy people, uh, who will reach out with weird private requests mm. that I turn down. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's any wealthy people watching, thinking about it, don't um, who basically, cause I'll say no, who basically want, um, but we're open to offers. they basically want you to use hypnosis for some sort of terrible means yeah um so either to like change their spouse's personality that makes so much wow to like you know i live with this bitch of a woman can you do that with me for my uh, money tell her to shut up very weird that was odd Um, apart from that no not really i've done a couple of um hypnotized a couple of famous ish
0: people i was gonna say Uh, came to your shows and stuff like that there was things, but some of them
1: before they were famous, and and now maybe not even famous anymore. But like, I, I, I couldn't tell you who it was. But there's a guy from Blazing Squad, the band, came and yeah. got hypnotized in a show when I was yeah. uh, I was working in summer seasons in Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, an old pal of mine, Ben Ben Hay, now won the X Factor a while ago. But before he won the X Factor, we were in um, in cost together, and he got hypnotized quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a, a handful of like celebrity parties that I'm just not allowed to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, uh... Because you have to sign yeah, a thing to see what I'm talking about. It. Or whatever. Yeah, NDA, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. But they didn't it? get hypnotized, it, it just happened to be their party. Yeah. Have
0: you had any like weird, um, like booking requests come through, like in terms of locations that you didn't expect? Are well, you mainly UK tour? Have you done any? No, sort of all
1: over the world, really. So yeah. between, I'm basically, I'm finished touring for a bit now. And then in August, I'll be back at the Fringe. Then I'm touring again September to November. Then I'll be off until February and then touring again. So I do like lots of short sprints. But then in the meantime, I do. Um, cruise ships. So I just fly out and get on a ship and then do a show, stay on for a couple of days while they sail around and then I'll get back off at the next port and then fly home. Um, so Royal Caribbean cruise ships. If you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, there's a small chance I'll be on the same one at you at the same time doing a show. Uh, so do stuff like that. I've been lucky enough to, to go all over the world. Really. We did. Um, there's a guy who's like a big name, Bollywood producer. I did his 50th birthday party in, in India, in Mumbai. Um, It's a a really good opportunity to travel, and it sounds brilliant. But you just never get to see anything of anywhere. I think when I went to India, I flew into Mumbai airport, got picked up, taken to this Marriott hotel that's about half a mile away. uh, Did the show, stayed overnight. Next morning, back into the car, back to the airport, back on a flight back to England again. Yeah, (laughs) no time. I haven't seen seen much of the nice places. I've just been to the airport. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been to India, yeah, for a day. <laughs> I've done it for three days, but they were individual days. I've
2: never heard someone go, yeah, I went to India for a day.
1: <laughs> I, and you know what, years ago, when I was about 16, I got a gig inquiry to go and do a gig in somewhere like, it might have been the Seychelles, which I have since done. But anyway, somewhere like that. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, that's got to be a scam. This has got to be some sort of scam request. Like they're going to do something. You know, there's these scams where they'll like, they'll like, they'll, there's a thing where like they'll overpay. It was like an eBay scam or something where somebody would say, I want to buy that off you for a hundred pounds. They would send you 150 pounds and, and you go, Oh my God, I've overpaid. You would send them 50 pounds back and their original 150 pound payment would get reversed. So I thought, well, it could be like that, but of a biggest, a bigger amount of money. So it's yeah. gotta be a scam. Nobody, surely I was so naive. I thought nobody's going f- to pay, not just the fee for the show, but then to like fly me halfway around the world to do a show for an hour. Uh, two hours maybe and then put me up and then fly me back again it just doesn't make sense but i mean it happens all the time yeah um i spend a bunch of the time just flying somewhere do a gig and then fly back again it's weird
2: it's a good thing you're not scared of flying
1: (laughs) no and i like being on my own Fortunately, because some of my friends who've done that for a while they've ended up just freaking out about it and gone right i'm gonna have to stop doing it because but i just really enjoy my own company
0: yeah is there any like secret magician or hypnotist circles where you meet up and discuss i actually secrets. there is but i actually stay
1: away from hypnotists yeah. generally there's two or three that i'm really good friends with yeah and for the most part the stage hypnosis world and i think a little bit of the hypnotherapy world as well just sort of i'm on the periphery of that mm-hmm. um is quite a bitchy industry yeah um is it clicky they're very not even that i don't think any of them like each other is myself <laughs> <in> my <opinion.
0: laughs> I I it's myself it's a really
1: competitive yeah. industry yeah. so Um, years and years ago, I was doing a gig in Manchester. There's a big sort of drag cabaret venue in Manchester called the Birdcage. And I was doing a gig there. I'd hired it. It was in 2009 and I wanted to film it. So I'd I'd basically hired the venue, which was expensive. I'd hired a film company to come and film it. That was expensive. Uh, We'd managed to sell it out. But the, the, the cost of advertising a show... Uh, when i didn't know what i was doing like was going to write off any profit i was going to have from doing the gig but i thought well i'll end up with this video from it so that's Mm good so we started doing the show and to be a hypnotist and to do a hypnosis show, you have to get a license for every show that you do. So to do a show in Thetford last night, we have to, I don't know who it is, but we have to write to the local council yeah. and basically fill in a form and say, his uh, insurance and risk assessments and credentials, all of that wow. to do this one gig. And if I did three gigs in Thetford, like you know, last night, tonight and tomorrow night, we'd need three individual, individual licenses, tomorrow. even wow. though it's the same setup. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the law. So we go through that process. So I went through that process with Manchester council. And at the time I was doing a very like a very adult show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not just bad language, but like it was quite a raunchy show with raunchy routines in it. And um, it was advertised as uh, this sort of triple X rated comedy hypnosis show. That was the brand of Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Anyway, about two weeks before the gig, I got a phone call from the head of licensing at Manchester City Council. And she said, "Um, just to let you know, um, we're going to revoke the license that we've granted for the show to go ahead. And I said, why? Never heard of this happening before. And they said, well, because we've been, one of our licensing officers has been past the venue and we've seen the posters. They were like six foot high posters in the window. Um, and it says triple X rated, etc. on it. Um, and that goes against the terms of the license. Now it doesn't, but she was relying on a technicality in the license that I can argue out of. Which is, the exact wording is, the show must be conducted in such a manner so as not to cause offense to anyone in the audience or anyone on stage. But I said, well, as long as we've said on all the advertising, which we have, and I say at the start of the show, which I did, I was going to, um, if, if anyone is easily offended by anything, please yeah. leave now, uh, you can have a full refund. Then they can't possibly cause offence because yeah. I've told them anyway. So that was my argument. And so she was really uppity about the whole thing. So I called, I'm a member of Equity, which is the actor and Performers trade union, and they have a legal department. So as part of the membership, their legal department take care of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I called Equity and I said, can you call Manchester City Council and get them to hopefully pipe down? So anyway, they called Manchester City Council's legal team. And you don't have to bleep this out because it was in the papers when it happened. Um, and they, they said, they got back in touch and said, right, the show can go ahead, but we are going to send some of our licensing officers along. In high vis vests to, to sit at the back hmm. and make sure that you don't break any of these conditions.
0: Do you just rip into them? So you're I just off. did it. Well, I made awesome. <laughs> a, a
1: mate of mine, Alex, is a magician, and he, um, he did like a warm up for me that night. And he went out and he just said, Right, as you might have noticed at the back of the room, there's two chaps with high vis vests on. Uh, those people are here to try and stop you from having a good time. <laughs> um, so uh, everyone stand up for me. Uh, I'm going to say some words. Um, because he can offend whoever he wants because he's not under the license. So he said, "I'm going to say some words, and if you're easily offended, if you're offended by any of these words, uh, please leave and ask for a full refund on the way out." Mm. And he just said every swear word you've ever heard of.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said,
1: "If you would be, if you would be offended by watching, and then he described a bunch of things that were way worse than anything was going to happen in the yeah. show, then please leave now." And nobody did. And then in the end, he said, "Right, everyone, sit down." And then so we're all agreed we can have a great show. Uh, and he said, uh, "We'll bring Robert on in a minute. I'm going to do a warm up first. And he said, "But just to." We wanted to let you know why the two security-looking guys at the back were there um, on triple payers' tax money, by the way. So, like, that's that's th- they'll be getting triple pay or whatever because they're working till twelve o'clock midnight. Yeah. Anyway, so I did the show, but it turns out that all of that was caused. I later found out by a hypnotist who was just a bit annoyed because he saw Manchester as his turf. Oh so really? Oh, he got in, he got he in touch. All that. Yeah, and he got in touch I'm with the licensing department and just said. This show is very likely to break all of the. She would never have noticed. The woman yeah. herself would never have noticed that that was going on. But equally, then she goes into into job protection mode. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I mean, we did the show and it went ahead and it was a storm. So nice. Yeah. Well, so, made so the so news to as well. Question, yeah. So to answer your question, no hypnotist I stay away from them generally. Yeah. There are little. Um, if you get into it there are little meetups of like hypnosis meetups where they all, and I never did this because I was so young when I started learning it, but like the hypnotists who are learning it will like meet up with each other in small groups. And like, sounds, I think it sounds weird, but they'll like practice on each other. Mm. So like, and it's a bit like, I think it's a bit pointless because I I honestly think that if you're in it, if you're like a newbie hypnotist and you're like getting together with a bunch of others and well, you want it, you want it, you want them to get hypnotized when you do it. And so I think there's a sort of
2: natural built in.
0: It's almost a bit of bias. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if bias is the right word. It, they're all sort you know of patting I mean? each other on the yeah, back yeah. about it. Do
2: you, do you think then if you were to have any advice from me, you, just be put yourself in the deep end and just do a pub or whatever. and just Yeah. Do a and show. another
1: thing that's really popped up recently, which is really pissing me off. So I'm going to rant about it, <laughs> is, um too. I get messages. So I, 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 my like primary social platform is Instagram. And so when I do a show, a bunch of people come and follow me on Instagram or like, if I do something like this, a bunch of people come and follow me on Instagram. And then what ha- And sometimes people will off always people will get hypnotized in my show and then they'll end up posting stuff on Instagram and tagging me in it, which means I'll then share it to my Instagram. And then what we've got is this little raft of little anonymous Instagram accounts. Cause obviously you can have an anonymous Instagram yeah. account it will pop up and it will be, you know, something hypnotist or hypnotist, something or other. And, um, I only found out about this because some people I knew who follow me on Instagram would DM me and say, do you know who this is? And send me a screenshot of one of these accounts. And I'd say, not a clue, why? And they said, um, they've just messaged me asking me if I've ever been hypnotized before. So I thought that sounds creepy. Yeah. So I went on their Inst- on this anonymous profile's Instagram account. And when I clicked onto uh, their fol- the people they follow, they follow like hundreds of my followers. So they don't follow loads of people I follow, but they follow loads of people who follow me. Yeah, I thought that's weird. So, um, I posted about it on Instagram and I got a bunch of DMS going, I got a message too. And I got a message and I got a message. Um, so the first time around, I sort of just ignored it and then another one popped up and it happened again. Hmm. Um, and this was recently, this was like less than a month ago. And so in the end I messaged that account who follows me. So they're not trying to stay away from me. And I just said, look, this is really weird. I've had a bunch of people message me now saying that you've DM'd them, basically trying to give them free hypnosis sessions on the internet, um, and they feel a bit weird about it. So, I'm nothing. There's nothing wrong with building your following and doing hypnosis through Instagram or whatever yeah. you want to do. You do, you do, you. But maybe, uh, not the right but like, way. just don't start yeah. slipping into the DMs of my followers mm. and doing it that way. Anyway, the, the first guy was really apologetic, and I, the, my first bit of advice to him was, uh, "You will get." Basically, what he said is, "I'm new." And I'm just trying to find a place where I can practice. And I said, listen, you've got to start. And hypnosis is a weird thing. It's not like DJing or something where you can basically set up in your room, you can practice and you can listen back and know if it was good or not, or as you're doing it, you know if it's good or not. Um, You have to have people to do it on. And it's a weird thing that most things don't have. If you want to get good at darts, you just need a dartboard and a room, that's it. Um, And I said, look, if you just, if you start by putting your face on your Instagram, Make some content like I do. Like some of my content is from the show, but some of it's just me talking to the camera, talking about stuff. Do that. And then you'll build an audience of people who are not creeped out by it. And then you can build an audience that way. Anyway, it happened again the other day. Somebody else has popped up with another account doing it. <laughs> and they're fr- probably from these little sort of, um, these little sort of circles of yeah. hypnotists who've started learning it as not to do a show particularly, but just as a hobby. Yeah.
2: You know?
0: What What was your break as such? Do you think... Was, like a lucky you, break if you, type, break. Yeah. If, if you think, obviously you've been doing it for a long while. If you think back, I don't know, let's say you know, friend or family member or whatever says, oh, when, you know, when did it all happen? You know, what was your biggest There's definitely. Defi- Where well, does your brain immediately go?
1: There's definitely defining moments. When I was 16 and I just started doing it, mm. I was about to do my A-levels, but obviously there's that break between school terms. And, um, a hypnotist who helped me out a lot when i first started um from newcastle he basically said um he was you know married in his 50s with kids and he'd had an offer to go to Greece to like a holiday resort. And it's funny, it's nice talking to British people about this. When I tell Americans, they don't understand what a Benidorm is, (laughs) but anyway, um, he'd had an offer to go to a Greek holiday resort. um, And he was like, I can't do that. The money's not very good. You have to live out of the country for seven months. Mm. Like that's not for me. So I was like, but do you want to do it? And I was like, absolutely. I was single, young, 16. Um, I'll have a go. Terrified of everything. Didn't drink, terrified of women, but I was like, I'll have a go. (laughs) So um, I went out and that, that turned into four years of summer season. So I was there for six months at a minimum, seven, eight months tops for four years in a row. And in that time, I got in a thousand shows. And so by the time I came home in about 20 um, years old, I'd done a thousand shows and so much for that age as well people who've been doing this for 25 years who haven't done a thousand shows so i feel really genuinely grateful and lucky that that opportunity came my way and then i just exploited it for all it was worth yeah um and so that was a that was a really good place for me really i i I came home a different person i came home somebody with definitely more i'm not hugely self-confident but like much more confidence Mm -hmm. um and and a massive like there's every time you do a hypnosis show, something different happens that you didn't expect and you learn a different lesson or think about something else, Um, probably more than any other entertainment uh, form. But when you do a thousand shows of that period of time, so much had happened. Uh, Little things, uh, little things I remember, like there was a venue I did where there was a little sort of inch gap down the back of the stage between the stage and the back wall. It's like an outdoor courtyard of a thing. And the gap was about the perfect width for a chair leg to (laughs) slip down if the chairs went too far backwards. So I was doing a thing where all the hypnotized people are in the Grand National. So they're on their chair, which they think is a horse, and they're like bounces up and down on the chair, riding their (laughs) horses in the Grand National. And most of the time, they sort of edge very slowly forward, or they sort of go forward and back to the point that the net result is they haven't moved at all. But this one woman was was, um, riding the horse, and just her movement on the chair was moving her backwards. So her chair, she's got her eyes closed, her chair's moving backwards, backwards, backwards. And then the chair legs went, the two back chair legs went down the gap down the back (laughs) of the stage. And you end up in this weird position where fortunately she didn't bang her head, but like that sort of thing can happen. So that was uh, 16, 17 years ago, but I still remember it as a thing that occurred. And so I think in that period of time, I just learned so much. So that was definitely a big thing. And when I came home, in the in the in the winter times when I was at home, I was doing pubs and weddings and uh, pubs and, and clubs and that kind of thing, and I ch- talked to a friend of mine who's a magician, and he was getting paid more than me to do gigs. I was like, "How do I get paid as much as you're getting paid for doing?" It? We've been doing it the same length of time, yeah. So I was like, "How do I get paid what you're getting paid for doing gigs?" And he said, uh, "You just got to go to a market that can afford it, and pubs can't afford it, yeah, uh, especially at the time, and it's even worse now." So I thought. Can I do there then, and that's where it latched on. I thought, hang on a minute, I, I'm sort of 20, I could do universities and fit in better than the hypnotists that are currently doing universities just mm-hmm. because they've um, 18, 19, 20 year olds at uni are going to relate to a 20 year old better than they're going to relate yeah. to a 50 yeah. year old. So I did that, and weddings because people plow money into weddings. So, um, and the entertainment is one of the most important parts of a wedding in terms of making it memorable. Uh, so quite enterprising couples would hire me to go and do a, a 60 minute show after dinner at their weddings, wedding reception. So universities and weddings. So I think that that moment really coming home from, being in Greece, coming home from Greece when I've thought that's done now. Because Greece is not very good money. You've got no protection. Like if the show gets canceled because the venue's quiet, you just don't get paid. There's nothing yeah. contractual yeah. that says they have to pay you. Um, but, but it was the best, effectively, the best
2: apprenticeship I could have wanted. Mm. Experience, yeah, yeah. definitely. A thousand shows
0: in four that's years crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy, yeah. That is crazy. I mean, in do the you time, do like
2: two a night,
1: sometimes, some yeah, yeah, yeah. It was between five and 11 shows a week. Wow, and now, but I mean, I, I think in the time since then, the sort of 16 years since then, I think I've only done about another 1500 or 2000 shows in that time. So, you, yeah. you like, you look at that and you go, yeah, wow, that's like a that was that was a hell of a uh front loaded a front load to my career, yeah,
0: yeah, that's crazy. Is there, is there anything you've learned from your journey with hypnosis that you now use in your personal life, not the hypnosis side of things, but something you've learned along that journey?
1: I think definitely, genuinely the power that, and I, I have a, a slightly motivational bit at the end of my current show when I'm about to wake them up for like one sentence, which is is purely aimed at the fact that what's happened here, what's happened here tonight when you've watched the show, is that or when you've been in the show, is that... Um, you've come on stage as regular people. You're going to go back to the audience as regular people. But whilst you were up here, you've just proven that your mind has so much more capability to be creative than you probably ever anticipated. So I imagine that woman, in fact, I met her after the show, the woman who was the tiger, tiger, uh, she after the show had had said, I don't know. I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) And I think, so genuinely I'm a very, it's made me a very optimistic, positive person in life. I genuinely, I genuinely, think that we all have this genuine untapped potential yeah. that um there's not even it's not that you have to even particularly train that potential to become better at anything mm. but just the fact you have to often get out of your own way all yeah. hypnosis does really is it takes away inhibitions and confusion and worries and stress and all the stuff that we've all got every day mm. to allow it to just sometimes um I did a I did a hen party years ago and the bride the bride to be got hypnotized and during the show she had something called an ab reaction it's an abnormal reaction it's basically um she basically burst into floods of tears and then hysterical laughter and then tears and then hysterical <laughs> laughter it's like it looks like somebody's being possessed it very rarely happens it's probably happened four times in my entire career um but that it happened that night and the reason why I give you that example is that basically what's happened is organizing a wedding i understand is stressful yeah yeah and so and and then doing that on top of a job and finances and kids and all the other stuff that you've got to deal with is stressful. And so what happened was this was a few weeks before she's due to get married and all of this stress has built up to an absolute height and is held, held back. And then suddenly under hypnosis, all of the barriers are gone and it yes. just comes flooding out. So I deal yeah. with it very quickly using hypnotherapy effectively and then just send her back to the audience to enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. But that sort of thing. And so if you think about that, from the other perspective, which is if hypnosis is just removing all of the barriers and boundaries that get in the way, underneath that, you are already this incredible flood of creativity and positivity. Mm. So I genuinely use it to be a, I use the, the lesson I've learned from that as a bigger picture to go, God, the things we can do as humans is genuinely, mm. genuinely groundbreaking. Even if we didn't invent the light bulb or the next groundbreaking invention, we're not Elon Musk trying to put chips in people's heads. We're yeah. not like changing the world. Yeah, but like, um, you can really get out of your own way very quickly and and achieve more
0: with it.
2: Yeah, might be the wisest thing I've heard in a while. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> are you, I'm curious. Are you? Uh, to be fair, we we have a few rules on the podcast. We right. won't get into it for too much, but. Is like no religion, yeah. no politics. Yeah. Um not that not. we don't allow people that are relig- religious no. or politi- no. political. We, we don't, just like don't usually talk about, about, it, too talk much. about it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. Don't like to talk about it too much, but because we're kind of in a spiritual space right now, I'm just curious, are you religious? No. No. And where is your head spiritually in terms of like what do you think of so humans fra- and how we come about the future of mm. do you believe in aliens or that kind of stuff?
3: <laughs>
1: uh it's very my, my opinions are very pragmatic on spirituality i think i'm I'm really into personal development but i'm not into the sort of rub your lubs and manifest your perfect life law of attraction yeah. type stuff i think that's largely um Bollocks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm into very practical you can retrain your mind to do anything. When, yeah. when you learn to play the piano all you're doing is training your mind to to learn, mm. to, to, to to be able to do that. Yeah. And so um you can do anything with that. And so I think that's that's really powerful. I'm not into religion at all. In terms of humans um I don't know what I don't know really. I I think that the world is engineering us to be stressed, anxious, very yeah. so much um, troubled people. Yeah. And that's being amplified all of the way. And it's one of the reasons why in my personal life, I decided to take full responsibility and control for everything that I do. Yeah, And then that way I try and stay out of it. So I don't really care. I don't really care who's in power politically. I don't yeah. really care I, that everything's going to go wrong anyway. You're, <laughs> so obviously I have to deal with it.
0: Everything you do is very, you know, as we discussed, very mental it's to do with the, the human mind, body, does uh, when we spoke about it past few episodes to be fair it's been a trending topic recently as i'm sure you've seen online anyway but like ai yeah that kind of space robots i know i'm being really you know but you know what i mean by robots i'm not talking about the ones that you know jump on buildings and kill people Um, does that side of uh things worry you being so connected to people and
1: their minds I go back and forth on it and things to do with, again, I made the reference to it before, but like with what Elon Musk's doing mm. uh, with Neuralink and stuff like that, yeah. it sounds like it's really, um, it all sounds like it's gonna help nudge the Every now and then, basically I stop and think, God, should we all just be Amish and just disconnect completely <laughs> and Because <Yeah>. just... <laughs> Me too. I was thinking about it like when I, I got here, we'd been wandering around the town all day. And then to come here, I just open my phone, Not even AI or anything complicated. And I went into Google Maps, uh, Apple Maps, and I went, right, how are we going to get there? And I just followed the path, and here I am on foot. And I go, God, can you imagine how complicated stuff was when we were kids or like when my parents were kids? Like, how do you arrange anything with anyone? So I think to a certain extent, technology is now has become essential and we should all lean into it, and that's it. In terms of where it's going next with AI, I do think it has the I don't think it has the potential to be problematic, but not yeah. within our generations. I yeah. don't I think it's gonna be yeah. a generation or two away. Yeah, definitely. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Although it's I, not far I, although away. Although I won't be here, but, I don't think, when it happens. No. So yeah. when, it, when it gets horrendous. Having said that, the rate of the rate of learning is is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's so, crazy. But I guess it comes down I guess it probably comes down to who programs them. So people yeah. ask me, is hypnosis dangerous? And I say well, it's only yeah. as dangerous as a gun. If you give me a gun, it's not dangerous at all because I'm terrified of the flipping thing. Yeah. But if you give it to somebody who's got a screw loose, then that gun's really dangerous. Yeah, and hypnosis is the same. Hypnosis isn't dangerous, but put it in the hands of somebody dangerous, and it's they can they can do lots yeah, of things. About everything in
0: life, really. Do is you it?
2: think someone could hypnotize someone to rob a bank? Yeah, they really? definitely could. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Well, there is the theory. Um, the, I have to be careful not to say the wrong word here. The Mancurian candidate yeah. is the concept that JFK was killed by someone hypnotized to do it, is, is the theory. Not the Mancunian candidate. That's a different thing. That's from <laughs> Manchester. Yeah. Um, so I have to be careful when I say it. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and, and the theory stacks up. As I'm not into conspiracy theory. I'm mm. obsessed with conspiracy theories. If I ever have loads of spare time, I would love to research and write a book on the belief systems that build conspiracy theories, because yeah. that's basically hypnosis. Yeah. Um, and so. I've done a lot of thinking about that already, but yeah, uh, the the theory that somebody could be hypnotized to shoot JFK stacks up really well. Um, and if you if you read the books on it and the the papers on it, it does it kind of make sense as a thing. I don't think it happened, but it makes sense as a thing. So you can definitely hypnotize anybody to do anything. There's a there's a line at which um, hypnosis, and it's quite it's quite far down the path, but there's a line at which hypnosis is the basis of cult building mm. and brainwashing. Yeah, and so the same cults that the same cults that you're watching you know horror films or you don't watch horror films but most people watching horror films yeah those are the things that would become uh that are a bit they're rooted in hypnosis
0: yeah. I, I might absolutely butcher this so i apologize but i usually do butcher things on this podcast um i think it was a darren brown documentary i can't remember is it called like the push or something yeah. like that push the guy off the yeah building. yeah and that's similar to your question about Robin a bank. I don't know if you've have you not seen it. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, you don't watch scary films. Long story short, he <laughs> gets a candidate and he sort of works with him for quite a while, doesn't he? Yeah. Eventually, to the point where he's got him on a rooftop and he's about to push someone off. And he stops himself, and he sort of has a bit of a breakdown or something, does he? I've
3: watched. it Yeah, ages I can't ago remember now. what happens yeah. now.
1: And he did another thing actually, more like your question, which is the heist where he got four or four or five ordinary people and got them to the point where they would rob a, like a security van. You know, the guys that carry yeah. the money. Uh, around yeah, yeah, van yeah. Would rob one of those, and again, it, it's all rooted in. He's not using hypnosis per se for that, but it's it's rooted in the same techniques of gradual persuasion. It's mm. it's the same techniques that are used by advertisers to market and make yeah. us buy sugary pop and still think it's okay
2: no Um, wonder you're doing so well in your market business (laughs) (laughs) i figured it all out
0: (laughs) oh we should get into this hypnosis game we'd have more subscribers. (laughs) please subscribe
2: this episode is brought to you by lower goat barbers and unless you've been sleeping under a
0: rock then you'd know exactly that render look at this beautiful aesthetically pleasing location that we are now recording the podcast at all thanks to lower goat barbers now Lower Goat Barbers, who are they? What do they do? Not just supply to the number one podcast in Norwich, maybe even Norfolk, maybe even the world. They also supply buttery, creamy haircuts. Am creamy. I right? Yeah, yes. just like Parmesan yeah. cheese. Now, as you can tell, Jack has not had a haircut from here. So he, what are you going to do next? Book a haircut. Exactly. Who are you going to book it with? Lower Goat Barbers Exactly that Simply go to the app store And download the Logo Goat Barbers app Or check out their Facebook page Or Instagram page All the details Down in the description If you want a
3: Fucking
0: J C Haircut like this Then check out Lower Goat Barbers And they'll supply The Crème de la crème And don't forget To let them know That we sent you Back to the video Back to the video baby <laughs> Right We're now at the point Of the show It's our favourite point Of the show Excellent we have a segment called hot, soft, alcoholic. Great. So the idea of it is that we're going to ask you, um, your favorite hot drink, yeah. your favorite soft drink, yeah. your favorite alcoholic drink. Yeah. And we want you to not just say, Oh, Sprite Zero, a uh, cup of tea. You know, we, it needs to be, is it in a mug? Is it in a glass mug or like a crockery? Yeah. Are you in Spain? Are you in Italy? Yeah. Um, 1912. Yeah. Is there some nice music playing now? Rob has something special,
2: doesn't he? Yeah. Do I? Explain. Oh, you do. Oh, second thought then, but yeah. Um, (laughs) The Thirsty Thursdays card, so it can take you in time, space, as much money as you want. Are you going to CGI that in? Limitless. Uh, (laughs) I wish we
0: We haven't quite got that budget yet. (laughs) But it's it's basically... So I can go anywhere. Yeah, Yeah. it's a gold card that will take you anywhere. Limitless money, time travel your dream scenario if you were a little kid you know and you remember that whatever it might be a bit of detail we want to know what it's being transported in you know glass ice lime whatever it might be perfect and start off and we'll go in that order so hot soft and
1: then alcoholic hot drinks I didn't drink hot drinks until I was in my mid-20s mm. weirdly
0: probably because you're in Greece yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like As a kid, like not, obviously most kids are not drinking coffee. I don't think maybe they are now. I don't know. But as I was, uh, you get a puppuccino for the dog. Never mind the kids. (laughs) Um, As I was, as I was growing up, I never, I never drank hot drinks. So I'll come on to the soft one in a minute, but I used to drink soft drinks um, for like with my breakfast, Mm. uh, which I did an Instagram poll about earlier just to see if people think that's weird or not. Lots of people think it's weird. Um, So uh, I never drank hot drinks. So now I'm only just, and I didn't drink coffee until I was 32
2: Wow.
1: wow, I like the smell of it, but I've never had the taste of it. So, to answer the question, um, hot chocolate. Oh, mm. I don't think we
2: have. Maybe
3: uh, yeah.
0: Did Leon have one? I can't remember. With a
1: little bit of cream, Ooh. but the cream. Uh, then you get one of the stirring sticks and mix it into the yeah, chocolate, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that you so don't ha- you don't like have to bit. drink through the cream. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, here's hypnosis for you. When I was a kid, I used to get these yogurts at the time. They were called chocolate surprises. I can't find that now. And when I ask people in the shop, they don't know what I'm talking about. But basically you can still get the yogurts. It's a chocolate moussey yogurt with a, like an inch of cream on the top mm. and a, a foil thing. And I didn't like cream as a kid. And so my stepmom, uh, who was, I think she was a primary school, she was a, a special needs uh, school teacher, but I'm convinced she was secretly a hypnotist because some of the things <laughs> she pulled on me as a kid, she was much smarter than me. Um, and she would say, "Oh, it's all right. I'll I'll scoop all the cream off. I'll have the cream, and you just have the chocolate yogurt. I thought, Thanks mm-hmm. very much." So she takes the foil lid off. I found out later, and just mixes the cream into the chocolate, and then gives it to me. And I yeah. just happily scoffed <laughs> <laughs> down. Like, you don't like cream, do you? I was like, "No, nope, but this is lovely." Like, <laughs> um, I'm sure that's your like cook a, line and sink a, a fable in there. Anyway, yeah. So uh, hot chocolate in a. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a romance I think to having uh, either either, you know, bamboo, trendy, uh, ecologically friendly, or paper, uh, recyclable cups that you wander around in rather than like a cup cup. You know, if you go to Starbucks or wherever, you get a cup that you walk around, it's got a little thing on it to stop you burning your hand and you're Mm -hmm. exploring a place like I did earlier here today. It's like a romance to that. So hot drinks for me, hot chocolate, not on a day like today, the weather's been lovely, Uh, but hot chocolate in one of those cups with a little thing wandering around a new place exploring. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I we do man.
0: hot chocolate in ages especially a decent one those sachet ones just aren't it are they? No. it has to be like one of these melted chocolate
1: i say that at home i'm uh this is sacrilege but at home i just make the sort of instant powder with hot hot water, I don't even make milk, you know, that like everyone
2: tells me you're supposed yeah. to heat up. Well, some no. of
0: them actually say to not add milk. I was going to
2: say, because sometimes, so I've had the ones with milk, and I've not got much of a sweet tooth, so hot chocolate for me is a bit like 50-50, but when it's like winter and it's like snow and it's cold, then I think it's acceptable marshmallows on top for me, maybe yeah. a bit of chocolate if I've yeah. got any in the fridge. But like my mum used to have, it was Aero one, you didn't add milk to it, it was just okay. hot water and it was mm. so bubbly and frothy and thick, it was lovely, yeah. not too chocolatey
0: See, Oh, you can uh, add a touch of milk for a more creamy texture or whatever. Oh, okay. Some just say just add boiling water. Yeah. No, suggestion oh, I just do of milk water all, all the time. I don't even so, read the yeah. instructions. You've done it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. You've <laughs> done yeah. it right, Plime Plime it right. Plime
1: Plime The <laughs> um, time. Um, my little card thing, I think for me, my favorite thing about being on tour. Is just turning up in a different place I've never been to before and mm-hmm. just wandering around. So, Thetford yesterday, I've never been to Thetford. I didn't know yeah. where it was till we booked the gig. <laughs> and then, um, First went, time I we, went, there. went and did it. And actually, it's a really pretty little town. Yeah. It's got the canal river thing through it and the park. And had got up and had a leisurely start to the day this mm-hmm. morning because I didn't have far to come. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, loved it. So, I, I think for me, just the ability to be in a new place whilst they're setting up at the theatre, I get to just wander around and enjoy the place.
0: Yeah, nice. I love that. And what about the soft?
1: I am clinically addicted to Pepsi Max.
0: I see you I, had. A I couldn't get a Pepsi Max, Pepsi, so that's yeah. a normal Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi Max, I completely understand why yeah. they are. They I are so currently good. drink eight, eight to ten
1: cans of Pepsi Max a day. A day, a day?
0: yeah. <laughs> There's some caffeine running. From wow, the fans, boy! <laughs> wow, uh, they are good. I thought you were going to say a they week. And I was going to say wow. Yeah, my girlfriend's <laughs> addicted to Pepsi Max. Not quite that many. Eight, but to, ten, eight to ten a day, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. So yeah. what about
2: Coke Zero? Uh, at a, what's uh,
1: your worst out of those like lineup of? Cokes so and from Pepsi? good to bad, Pepsi Max is top. Uh, Diet Coke, Coke
2: Zero, mm. and then the sugary ones like that. Yeah. yeah Pepsi Max See, I'm a Coke so Zero true. over Pepsi. I think the problem is we drank a lot of Pepsi Max when we used we to drinking
1: rums. rums all the time. No, I still get it now. It yeah, probably yeah. tastes more like rum than Pepsi to you now if you have a yeah. Pepsi. Yeah. But uh, with its. Um, but I only drink it out of a can. Yeah, it's crap out of a bottle. Yeah, yeah. So fizzy, fizzy pop has to come out of a can yeah. for me. Otherwise, it's not for good. Just a bit
2: colder as well as it's yeah. nicer cold. Yeah. So I go and buy the Do you big want
1: it a bit frosty, the big twenty-four packs yeah. of cans. Yeah. Subcard deal. Not the exactly. <laughs> not the big. Massive bottles because yeah, yeah. it's gone flat by the time yeah, you've
0: had yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's
2: so always yeah, gets flat. Well, by how much you drink, you probably have to buy two <laughs> bottles. <Yeah. laughs> it flat. It's
0: really flat. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably you've probably done it all before it can even get become this.
1: Flat. There's something about it about the taste of it out of yeah. a can, fresh out, of, not from a can into a glass and
2: then drinking it. Yeah. the so when you it. crack oh, yeah. it open, one finger yeah. as well, yeah. it goes yeah. amazing. Oh. So yeah. Sometimes Pepsi you
0: Max. you open it too soon, you go for a sip, and like the air bubbles go up your nose a little like this. Yeah. Did you have
2: that with breakfast? Yeah. So like you've got like beans on toast or something. And you just crack open a. Kind
1: of yeah. So this nuts. morning we went to Weatherstones for breakfast, yeah, and I classic. had fried egg, bacon, sausage, toast, and a pint of Pepsi. Wow, that's oh, good. good.
2: I'll just have an orange juice.
1: <laughs> Having said that, um, I'd start I, again. I didn't drink orange juice as a kid, really. Dead mm. weird kid, um, but I do now. And um, when you go to like stay in the hotel, and they give you those little thimbles. That they call glasses uh, yeah. for the orange juice. I'll sort of stand and top up two or three of them yeah. and take them back to the table in Why one go. Oh, so yeah,
0: this <laughs>
2: because they're cheapskates, aren't they?
0: I went to um, funny enough Greece last year, and it was an all-inclusive, and the glasses are so small. And I think by the by the time <laughs> I've even like had one twelfth of my breakfast, I'm already going up to fill up again I did, I did i did the whole convenient. fill
1: it up swig it down fill it up swig <laughs> it down fill it up and take that to the table
0: you yeah got a, a queue of 12 people behind <laughs> yeah. just bring the whole like plateful just yeah. Yeah. out of the yeah. container. Into <laughs> sit next to the machine that's the that's nice. the best way <laughs> yeah nice is there so if we completely exclude cokes pepsis and stuff is there like a runner-up of a soft drink or a fizzy drink that
1: no, it's got to be the cola Maybe. flavor, I think. But but I said that I don't do cola flavor in anything else. Yeah. So I don't like fizzy cola bottles. I don't yeah. like cola flavored ice lollies. Yeah. It's got to be the cola flavor, but it's got to be in a fizzy drink.
0: Yeah, cool. And our favorite,
2: yeah, alcoholic. Oof. You know, you, do you drink a lot, or like, I never know what's a lot. Not a lot. Well, a man much. from the northeast, eight pints is not that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't drink a lot. <laughs> I didn't drink at all when I when I was sort of eighteen people i had gone to sixth form with would go out on nights out and I didn't like do the nightclub and thing mm. at the time. And I went to Greece and obviously you're in a, we were in, I was in uh, Kardamena, Cardamina, which is in the Greek island of Kos. So that's their 18 to 30 heavy drinking, got a big bar strip sort of resort. And so two things happen when you're out there. First of all, everyone who's, anyone who's ever done those holiday seasons abroad, like working in bars or whatever will know one of two things happens first of well, two things happen first of all everyone gets to know each other and becomes really good mates uh in the whole island and then the second thing that happens is if you're an entertainer or a dj or you're somebody who's uh, sort of got a profile because you're on flyers and posters and stuff um you you automatically get you there's a sort of a sort of a sense of fame on the mm-hmm. island i guess as opposed to somebody who's working in a bar or something like that so it's very hard to not drink in those places and i used to go out and a drink for me at the time was i could stomach smirnoff ice because mm-hmm. it just tastes like lemonade yeah, yeah, yeah. lemonade i could I stomach, i could stomach that so alco pops and stuff was like my saving grace to be able to go out drinking mm-hmm. but like not think about it but um na so yeah i and then i did things like i didn't like wine particularly and i went to four weddings over a period of six months and obviously there's always a couple of glasses of wine for everybody on the table. And so I just had, uh, I tried the red, didn't like it. Tried the rosy, didn't like it. Tried the white and I thought that's bearable. So I'll have those glasses of white wine on the tables. And by the end of it, I was like, God, this is really, I trained my brain to
2: like it. Right? Yeah. I think that's the thing when you're younger though, you go, well, this is bearable. And then you grow up yeah. and you're like, Oh God, that's I yeah.
0: hated beer when I was younger. Absolutely I did. Hate yeah, it. I, I could it. only drink cider or like smell of ice, WKD, all that. Yeah. Uh, um And now, like I, I just love beer. I yeah, don't really drink anything else at the yeah. moment. And I don't anyway. think any
1: of us think it tastes good, really. Mm. I think we've just taught ourselves yeah. that we do. I've been drinking
2: Guinness for like seventeen
1: we years. I think
0: pub earlier in that. No, ten years, prime. not seventeen years. I be I can't
1: say my Guinness. That's not for me. Yeah, yeah. see, I've been oh, I have dr- hated Guinness as well. I've been drinking it for so,
2: years, yeah. but I was drinking it for years and all of the all of the boys that we hang out with, they were like, Why are you drinking Guinness for? And then they all started drinking it and now they just love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you're on it's it just a nice and the bit, You're a bit from, older, you get your taste buds. Yeah, so I've yeah. always liked like bitter things when I was younger, like olives and like anything bitter, Guinness. I just I I've always loved it. I think you have to develop those sort of tastes in your, your taste buds yeah. in your mouth. Yeah, so.
1: I think so for me. But now my I've got two. Are you like two? Well, it's got to be one. Yeah, you've got two. We'll yeah. take two. Yeah, I've got two, and they're both again things that I developed a, a, a like for. So white wine, Sauvignon Blanc, New Zealandish is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not
2: Australia fan uh, then. Yeah,
1: drink that by the boatload, <laughs> uh, and um, so that's good. And in terms of like where to sit and drink it, so I used to live. I live in the northeast, but I used to live on Newcastle Quayside. So if you haven't been to Newcastle, we have got this astounding Keyside with the bridges over it and stuff. I don't know why we've got that many bridges, but we've got too many bridges. And um, there's like uh, some bars along the quayside, either on the Newcastle side looking at Gateshead or the Gateshead side looking across at Newcastle. And in the score in, in those like three or four days a year, we get where the weather is scorching hot. Like it's hotter. You know the days. It's the days when it reports it's hotter than it is in Malaga. Yeah, <laughs>
3: and we're like, <all>, yeah.
2: <laughs> My auntie Susan's gone to Malaga and it's hotter here. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. went. I went up to Newcastle for the first time. The only time I've ever been there. And it was, the weather was amazing. And people were like, you never get this when you come up here. Like my mates <laughs> went up there for um, uni. So they're up there like three or four years. And they went, like, yeah. I've never seen weather like this. Yeah. But yeah. It was in like September as well. Yeah. Well, those days where we
1: get that astounding weather to sit. When I used to live on the quayside, you'd wander down to the, one of the bars there and just sit outside. And I'd take my laptop down because I'd like to just sit and work on show ideas. I'm a bit of a dork. So I'd sit and do that. And just sit on my own and just drink white wine. And that was, that was ideal. Uh, so white wine, uh, flip of that. So that's the location, and everything flip of that is I actually randomly ended up a while ago. This, um somebody we know, somebody me and my friend know, uh, we found out had started like a little, a little, um little gin business. Yeah. A little gin distillery. And they had a little party and they were giving out gin from this gin thing. And I drank it and I thought, God, that tastes like fairy liquid. Like that's not, that's not nice at all. And then a few years later, a friend of mine, Sean had said, um, you should try flavored gins. So I was like, oh. then that was the thing. Yeah. I said, go on then recommend one. And so she poured, she went to the bar and got a rhubarb and ginger, gin and tonic. Mm. Nice. And she went, you need this tonic and blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what it was now. I just ordered it. Rhubarb and ginger, gin and tonic. But yeah, the, the um, rhubarb and ginger, gin and tonic is my sort of second go-to. Only problem with that is you drink it too fast. And I don't think you really feel the benefit of it because it's so easy to drink. Yeah. yeah. You can't sit and savor it quite as well, because it's largely ice in it in the glass yeah. yeah,
2: and then you're on the floor when you drink, <laughs> yeah. when you yeah. drink too many too quickly All of a sudden, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't touch tequila because I had bad experiences in Greece oh, with I'm it. Totally, I used to love yeah. it, and now I can't even smell it without you've got a it. sweet tooth by the sounds of it yeah, definitely, yeah, for sure. there was a, a shot in um when I was in Kos, a friend of mine, Liam, who's from reading um he he I think it was Liam, he came up with a shot anyway um called the Jedi. Uh, because it makes you feel the force. <laughs> um, it's basically half uh half absinthe and half red aftershock. Oh God, oh. and so, um what would happen sometimes when we're out in cost is like you could probably do four of these and then you'd be really, really out of it. but the the um the kick of it is delayed a bit. So sometimes you'd get some bolshy British lads would come over on their holidays. And we were in this where I lived, right next door. There was a really quaint little bar or castle bar, run by a guy called George. And so, literally, the, um, my bedroom wall and his bar were were next to each other. Um, so I'd go around, and I, 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 it was a good starting point for a lot of people to go out on their holidays, even though it wasn't like a it wasn't like a like a trendy bar bar. It was an old Greek bar. Uh, people would quite and stop there, and George is full of personality and he's very funny. So a lot of the lads that were staying in this sort of hotels around the doors would go in anyway these lads would come in and um they were throwing their weight around a bit thinking they were dead cool so in the end we would challenge them to do these these shots and they look they look black when you pour them out so um of course anyway. they do them so george would line them up along the bar and two things would happen well first of all they would do one and f- it burns a bit but that's gone very quickly and then it feels all right and so they think they can do lots of these. Oh, uh, and so before awesome. very long, they're on the, f- but it because there's this delayed kick effect and they have to go home then. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes we would do challenges and George would just line up a load of shots of Pepsi Max for me and a load <laughs> of identical looking shots of oh. Jedi for them. And they didn't last
0: very long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thought, God, that can drink a lot. He's a fucking trooper. Storm trooper. Um, brilliant. No, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, but I, don't, I always I do avoided all of those shots. Yeah, that's yeah. not for me. I remember a couple of house parties. I, I did some of those absinthe shots. but... They See, I
2: like enough. absinthe, but the warmth it gets through your body mm. is unreal. And yeah. I mean, it, you, you know should not have more cooking. than one or two. Like, that is it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't touch any of that anymore. I know yeah. as soon as it goes down my throat that something's happening, there's some sort of chemical reaction. It's not doing it. the robot sometimes. Yeah. Oh, it's just that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now cover. it's just white wine and rhubarb gin. Mm. Don't blame nice. you. Safe options. Well. We're Probably gonna wrap it up here, Weird. but thank you so much thank for coming you. on. Pleasure coming all the way down, inviting us to your show as well. We'll have to, I'll have to drag Render to one of your next ones. Yeah. Maybe we'll go on tour. I
3: don't think you'd have to so. drag me.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you just have to not have a family birthday to yeah, attend to. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe have to go to one of your uh shows out about and about. We'll, we'll do a little, yeah, I'll definitely be back, definitely
1: be back in Thetford or maybe a bit further over this way. We'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah. you should uh do one at the theater yeah yeah, yeah you've yeah. got through
2: loads of theaters haven't you you've got yeah. three or 4 yeah. a very quaint city <laughs> <It's> lovely <laughs> sure
0: nice well thank you guys so much for watching if you haven't already please do subscribe i nearly messed up there <laughs> subscribe uh like comment ring that notification bell audio platforms five stars absolutely even if you thought it was dreadful don't forget to follow robert temple on all socials i'll put it all in the in the uh, description is there anything you want to say any last words no thanks for having me this has been a treat
1: yeah no, it's been no a right. treat for all us all yeah. welcome thanks for watching guys no.
0: Goodbye. No. First First real First First
3: real